Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of In With The Old. We're a podcast focused on dispelling myths, building appreciation for God's word, and helping you discover the Old Testament for the life of faith. Guess what? You have now reached the last episode of our second season. <laughs> I can't believe it's already here. It's been going by so quickly. Uh, but this is the last episode of our Myths and Mistakes series. As ever, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Tim Howe. Dr. Tim, can you believe we're at the end of season two already? Oh, that is no myth, is it, Brian? This is the end <laughs> of season two. And uh, man, it's such a joy. It really is to be able to uh, do this with you and and hopefully provide something to our listeners that builds up their faith. And so it's a joy. It's a privilege. And uh, can't wait to wrap this up. Yeah, and we're wrapping it up with a doozy or rather <laughs> uh, maybe a, a, just kind of like where we started a, a big thing that I hear and I'm sure, Tim, you hear a fair amount as well. So as I've said a couple times on this podcast, I teach for Grand Canyon University and one of the classes I teach quite frequently has a section on ethics. That mm. seems to be an important thing to be teaching young people, especially if you turn on the news. But uh, a, a line of argumentation that I see a lot, especially from my Christian students, is this idea that, you know what, uh, maybe someone did this over here or did that over here. And yeah, that's bad. But let's not judge too hastily mm. because sin is sin. We're all sinners, we're all guilty, and all sin is equal. Mm -hmm. That is a really interesting statement, and it's a myth. And it's the worst slash best, depending on how you want to view it, type of myth. Because it is something that is partially true. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, when we were, Dr. Tim and I were thinking about how we wanted to close this first series, Dr. Tim suggested this, and I was like, this is such a great idea. So that's what we're going to be diving into today. The myth that all sin is equal. We want to affirm the true parts of that statement, but then also offer some interesting caveats and clarifications where sin is not always equal. So, Dr. Tim, let's start with you. Yes. Maybe you can help us. What are some of the biblical passages or principles that we should be aware of as we begin wading into this issue? Yeah, great Great intro there, Brian. And as we think about sin, here are some biblical passages that we can point to to say, okay, well, wait a second. Don't these talk about all sin being equal? Uh, and the first one that we want to consider is James uh, 2.10. For those who were in Awana growing up, perhaps you know this verse. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for whoever <laughs> keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. Uh, so there you have it, right? Well, if you break any part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Uh, that would be a verse that seems to indicate all sin is the same. Or Deuteronomy 27, 26, anyone who does not put the words of this law into practice is cursed. Uh, and there it's speaking of the whole law, right? Uh, so don't we, don't we just have a slam dunk? Case closed. It's not a myth. All sin is the same. Uh, but here's, here's the problem with that. Uh, and we're going to talk about this more in the podcast. We won't spoil it here. Uh, but the problem is, even as we look at the biblical materials themselves, we see that, yes, sin does, any sin does render us guilty before the law. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, but as we look more carefully about how sin is described, the kinds of sin that, it, that are described, the consequences of sin that are described, we see that, yes, 
any sin will make us guilty before God, but not all sins are the same, either in their severity or in their consequence. And so uh, mm. we want to make sure we don't just take a couple of coffee cup verses, and those would be weird coffee cup verses, granted, but we don't just want to take coffee cup verses and say, oh, well, slam dunk, all sin is the same. Again, I agree with Brian. The heart of that, I think, is right in, in terms of we should be humble because we are all sinners in deep ways. But we need to be a little bit more nuanced about this. So, Brian, yeah. can, can you tell us a little bit more about how the text of Scripture tells us about some sins being worse or some sins being different? Yeah, being being sensitive to the text and being nuanced here is important, right? Because I can do all things through the power of a verse taken out of context. But we want to be slightly better than that here. And, uh, I mean, Tim, you said, and I, I do want to put it out there, I'm— deeply sympathetic to the heart here mm. and to point out that, you know what, sometimes in the church, we have a weird like hit list of sins and mm -hmm. like these ones are yeah. worse than these other ones. And that it often feels very arbitrary. So yes, all sin does have this kind of equal component, but if we're going to be careful readers and take the whole counsel of God into consideration here, we have to deal with passages like this. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Tim, maybe this would be a good Q&A episode sometime. Ezekiel is mm -hmm. a crazy book. Um, the rabbis used to prohibit, right, younger rabbis from reading Ezekiel because they're like, they're just going to go <laughs> off the deep end if we just let them loose on this book. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of crazy stuff in it. But yeah. one of the interesting things that happens is God takes Ezekiel, right, in this vision through various parts of Jerusalem. And in chapter eight, I want to read something for us listeners. Uh, he, that's God, said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? More detestable acts in the house of Israel is committing so that I must depart from the sanctuary. Then check this out. You will see even more detestable acts. And that's not more as in quantity. It's an intensity. Yeah. He repeats this, by the way, in verse 13, 15. Every time God shows Ezekiel something, he says, you think that's bad. I will show you worse. I will show you greater sins. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. In what way are the things God is going to show worse sins? Even, and this is a really, I think, significant passage if we're going to understand what's going on in this gospel, but in the gospel of John chapter 19, when mm -hmm. Jesus is before Pilate and has his just really interesting, right? Back and forth. Who are you? Where are you from? Who are your parents? Jesus eventually tells Pilate, you'd have no authority over me, right? Unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, the one that has handed me over to you has committed, drum roll please, the greater sin. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a whole bunch of theology we could pack into. What does he mean that the Sanhedrin has done something worse than what Pilate has done? But let's mm -hmm. not skip past the very clear point. There is a greater sin at play in whatever the Sanhedrin did than what Pilate is going to do. Mm -hmm. So, well, yes, we have that passage from James. We have Deuteronomy. We have Romans. We have plenty of passages that seem to talk about the equity of sin. We also have passages that talk about different levels of sin. So that's Brian, important to take care of, right? Yeah, good, Tim. Can can I add one more to it? Um, so First John chapter one, or I'm sorry, First John five sixteen and following says yes, this: Yes, yes. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death, 
there is sin that leads to death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. So think of that. John here in just a few verses is affirming both that all sin is sinful, but not all sin is the same. Mm. Uh, and, and so I think even in an encapsulation, we, we, have, um, we have different kinds of sins. And that, of course, speaks to their consequence. We'll get there eventually. Uh, but again, another passage that just very clearly talks about the differences between certain sins. Yes, excellent. Thank you for bringing that one in. So two other things we should probably be aware of as we're talking about sin. So we do have Bible passages that talk about sin being equal in some way. We have passages that talk about sin being unequal in some way. Two other things to keep in mind is that intentionality factors in, but maybe not as you expect. Unintentional sin is still sin. In fact, mm. this is, we'll bring it to the Old Testament. The sacrifices at the beginning of Leviticus are prefaced in Leviticus 4 as if they did something wrong unintentionally. Here's mm. what happens. Leviticus 5.17 says, if someone sins without knowing it violates any of the Lord's commands concerning anything prohibited, he's guilty. And he will bear his iniquity. So ignorance of the law is not an excuse. It may be a mitigating factor. We'll talk about that. But it's not an excuse. You're still guilty even if you didn't know you did something wrong. Mm. But also importantly, there's this thing called the sin of the high hand. Egregious sin. And interestingly enough, Tim, you know this as well as I do. There is no sacrifice that takes away egregious sin. This is what we call the sin of the high hand. It's Numbers 15. Uh, and mm -hmm. verse 30 says, but the person who acts defiantly, whether native or resident alien, and blasphemes the Lord, that person is to be cut off from his people. There's no sin in Leviticus that covers it. There's no, or sorry, there's no sacrifice in Leviticus that covers that. There's no sacrifice, obviously, in Numbers or Deuteronomy. Nothing. You're just out. So, we have a couple of these like points to consider. Tim, any other points we want to add in before we start talking about the ways that sin might be equal and unequal at the same time? Yeah, I, I think if we take just a, a, a second to come back and do a macro level, just sort of like, okay, take our breath, my mind's blown, not all sin is the same. When we think about this, we can we can look at it from a natural perspective. And by that, I mean... Sin is the kind of thing when left alone, it's going to continue to grow. Um, and so the severity of sin, when someone commits a sin, but then their heart is hardened, say with like Pharaoh, um, it, it's, it's going to continue to escalate. And, and we see that throughout mm. the scriptures, especially in, in Romans chapter one. Uh, we see that developed. We see it in James chapter one. It's the idea that that temptation then gives birth to lust, which gives birth to sin, which gives birth to hardness of heart. And so, again, we're going to talk about the ways that sin, any sin, uh, renders us guilty before God. But I, I just want our, our listeners, even at this moment, to, to recognize that part of it is just the nature of sin itself. And I go back often and just consider even the fact that uh, in Genesis chapter four, right, God comes to Cain before he murders his brother. And he says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. Uh, and to the extent that he gave himself over to sin, it's like a disease that once it takes over, it, it just really takes over everything. Uh, so I love those passages that you pointed us to, uh, and, and especially that, that kind of scary idea, right? That high-handed sin. And we might even use that language, even in 
their common culture sometimes. That idea of a high-handed sin uh, is particularly daunting. Why? Because I don't know about you, Brian, uh, there are times in my life where I do things that are wrong unintentionally, but sometimes my heart is so hard uh, that I know it's wrong and I still do it. So I hope we have a good answer for this by the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So a good way to begin walking in on trying to give us maybe some clarity, some help here is let's talk about the ways that sin is equal because mm-hmm. right. If we're tracking so far, the Bible seems to say both and, and it's mm-hmm. not contradicting itself, but there's different ways in some ways. Yes. All sin is equal. And in other ways it's not. So let's start by talking about how sin is equal and sin is equal in that it separates us from God. It makes mm-hmm. us short of his righteousness. Right. God requires perfection. There is no shadow in him. Right. Um, All sin is falling short of that moral code of that desire and intention for humanity. Whether I stole a candy bar, whether I have murdered my neighbor, it's short of what I was supposed to have done Um, to draw on Thomas Aquinas. I have lacked a good that I should have had in that instance. Mm. Right. So uh, on that point, it separates us from God. It separates us from his intention and it makes us in need of something to fix that gap, something to bridge that divide between where I am and where he wants me to be. Right? So this is why the law can say, if you've broken any part of it, this is why James Wright can say, if you've broken any part of it, you're guilty of all of it. Cause it doesn't matter if you miss it by an inch or miss it by a mile, you've missed it because sin hmm. is now in your life. So that is, in my mind, the big way, the primary way that sin is all equal. It all equally separates us from God. Tim, how would you phrase it that sin is equal? Yeah, I, I would totally agree. And and comes back to Romans 3.23, right? And, and yep. to think about it in detail, all have sinned and fall short of the glory, the perfect glory yeah. of God. Uh, so in that sense, right? Every single sin, any sin separates us from the glory of God and the fellowship that God wants us to have uh, that sin wrecks, that sin destroys. Um, And so, Brian, the next thing that we want to talk about is it separates us from God. And because it's sinful, because it does separate us from the glory of God, sin brings about guilt that carries eternal punishment. Uh, Mm. In other words, sin, and and this is coming back, especially uh, from the perspective of the law, sin is not something that just subjectively leads us to a kind of guilt where, oh, I feel bad because I've sinned, but sin carries with it a righteous eternal punishment. Uh, And Brian, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out an illustration uh, that I have not told you about. And so uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take a risk here. Uh, Let's do it. In Psalm chapter 90, I, I come back to this often when I talk to people about sin. In Psalm chapter 90, there's a verse. And Psalm 90, by the way, is uh, said to be a psalm of Moses. Some argue mm-hmm. it's, it's the oldest psalm in the entire Psalter. Uh, but there's a verse where it says, uh, your anger is great, as great as the fear which is your due. Um, and it's talking about the the fear of God, but your anger towards sin, your wrath is as great as the fear, which is your due. In other words, there's a correlation between the reverence of God and the perfection of God and the severity of sin. So here's my illustration. 
uh, if uh, if I were to punch my brother, okay, let's say I punch my brother in the face. Uh, I love my brother. We wrestled a little bit growing up. I think we can all agree. No matter what he did to me, punching him in the face, that is that is a sin, right? That's evil. I shouldn't do it. Okay, let's say I punch my brother. That's sinful. Okay, let's say my sister walks in, and God forbid I punch my sister. Okay, well, if punching my brother is sinful, let's say that my sister said the exact same thing to me that ticked me off that my brother said. Punching my sister, like that's that's that in one sense we intuitively notice that's worse. Uh, okay, brother, sister. Now let's say that my mother walks in. Right, I love my mother. Uh, my mother, in so many ways, is. is Are you going to uh, send your family this podcast, Tim? Oh, or? I'm going to send it. They've heard this. They've all heard this, and it's going to get worse, Brian. It's going to get worse. Okay, but let's say that my mom says something and it ticks me off, and oh my goodness, I punch my mom. Okay, if I do that, you know, throw me in jail, right? How dare you? Like the woman who gave you life, like mm. uh, you honor your mother, right? Uh, okay, now let's say my grandma walks in. All right. My grandma, you've never met my grandma, Brian. I wish you had. She is one of the sweetest, most pure human beings who I believe has ever walked the face of the earth. I love her so much, but let's say that she walks in and, uh, and she says something. I say, grandma, it's your unlucky day. And, uh, and I haul <laughs> off and I, I punch, you know, I punch my grandma, you know, okay. at that point, our response is, is, you know, don't just throw him in jail, like cut off his hands, like his mm. grandma. Are you serious? And and here's what that illustration is meant to show. Uh, one, it's the same action. In one sense, a person says something to me and I punch him in the face. But in another sense, right, the honor of the person determines the severity of the, fit, the offense, that, mm. that someone who is due honor um, it, it is it's worse when you sin against them. And I think about that in, in the principle of Psalm 90, your anger is as great as the fear or the honor, which is your due. You know, why is it that sin against God is, is so in one sense, um, harshly punished? Well, it's because, you know, as much as I love my grandma, my grandma is a sinner who's imperfect like me, but God is perfect mm. and God has done nothing to deserve our dishonor or our sin. And so a sin against God, because God is infinitely glorious and infinitely worthy of honor, uh, a sin against God is an infinite offense. And therefore, mm -hmm. I would argue, requires or deserves an infinite punishment. Uh, and I think we see that principle even in the, the Bible where it's not just the sin that you commit, but it's the honor of the person that you're committing the sin against uh, that really uh, has to do with the necessity of its punishment. That's a really interesting example, Tim, because I, I think it does help illustrate the point you're trying to make. I think it gets even stronger if we recognize we in an American culture don't really have an honor shame system. Right. Uh, we don't, compared to like some other cultures, honor family members in that ascending order. We have a slight right awareness of that, but right. the context in which that psalm is going to be written is a much stronger uh, mm. sense of honor, shame. And yes, the person you're sinning against, if they are a person of high honor, that is a more egregious sin, even mm -hmm. though it's the same action in each case. Um, yeah. This is a beautiful example, listeners, if you want a practical, like, how are they saying sin is both the same and not the same at the same time? There you go. Same action. And yet there is this intuition of the punishment should be changing 
depending mm-hmm. on who you just did that to. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a helpful and interesting example. And I'll be sure to send this to all of your family members uh, <laughs> right around Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, Brian, one time I uh, told that illustration while my grandma was in church. That was an interesting time. But uh, let's get on to (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, okay, another way in which all sin is equal, and I think this is is very important. All sin Mm. makes a person in need of purification. Uh, And this is something we see throughout the scripture, whether the sin is great or whether the sin is small. And this is kind of, again, building on what we just talked about. Because all sin is ultimately against God. And Brian, I, I don't know what you think about this, but I think we can throw in Psalm 51 here, right? Against you and you yeah. alone have I sinned. Uh, because all sin is against God and because uh, purity can only g- come from God. Forgiveness ultimately mm-hmm. can only come from God. All sin brings us in need of purification. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we need a Savior. Um, so those yeah. are three ways in which all sin is equal. It separates from us from God. It brings about the need for eternal punishment. It makes us in need of purification. Brian, maybe you can talk to us about some ways in which sin is not equal. So some ways in which sin is not equal is going to deal with the severity of the consequences of mm-hmm. the action. And so it, while sin maybe all separates us from God, even in the law, not all sin is given the same punishment or the same we use the term purification, the same ritual or sacrifice necessary mm-hmm. to be purified. There are levels here. There are serious ones that require death, that require exile from the community, uh, breaking the Sabbath, uh, right? Not protecting <laughs> the life of your neighbor. These are things that require separation from the community or death outright. But other ones, it's the giving of an equivalent good, right? If your actions cost your neighbor some good, some livestock, you're supposed to replace that plus some. Um, So we can see that it's that severity or that punishment fitting the crime. And this is an interesting point. I didn't say it with your, your example, Tim, but I think it fits. We do intuitively go, it's the same action, but the punishment should be different. Mm -hmm. I do find that interesting that we do intuitively know that, yeah, not all uh, a criminal is someone who breaks a law, regardless of what the law is. Mm-hmm. But not all criminals should share the same fate because different laws should have different consequences. Where do mm-hmm. we get that intuition for what justice looks like? I would say it's because we're made in the image of God, who is a just God. And so we have some sense that, yes, he does treat sin separates from him, but that doesn't mean that all carries the same punishment. And so I think that is significant in how we deal with one another, how we entreat with one another. Um, I think there can be a case made. We mentioned that ignorance of the law is not an excuse. It's very Mm -hmm. clear, right? Unwitting sin, Leviticus 5. Mm -hmm. But it does seem to be a mitigating factor. As I read through this story of the Bible, Tim, I don't know if you see this as well, but I continually see God is much more harsh on his people that know his law. Those outside, other nations in the Old Testament, um, I'm thinking of the Gentiles as Jesus goes about his ministry. They are still held to the same standard, and yet they are not going to face kind of the same uh, retribution, punishment, or Mm -hmm. even calling out as the people of Israel because you should have known better. Mm -hmm. They at least didn't know they were doing wrong, or at least not as explicitly as you did, but you knew what was wrong. That's when I, especially Jesus's words in 
John 19. The Sanhedrin knew who the Messiah was. I mm-hmm. think you can make an argument. They maybe had a good idea. It was Jesus, but he was not expedient. He was not what they wanted. And they mm-hmm. reject him. Pilate yeah. will also reject him, but Pilate had no idea who Jesus was. And mm-hmm. so there is some culpability in terms of what they are aware of. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this does not like excuse people. Romans 1, I think, is quite clear on that. The heavens, right? The they, What's... Um, of course, in the middle of podcast, yeah, right? you lose your train of thought. What can be seen about God is evident. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it doesn't get to that level, but I think it does shape or color uh, the severity of the punishment. So I think those are some key ways that sins are not equal. Yeah. And, and Brian, uh, to, to just add to that, you know, I think of the story, say, of Jonathan in First Samuel, right? When uh, the entire camp of Israel, Saul has put them under a vow not to eat anything, you know, yeah. and then he unwittingly, you know, eats this honey. And Saul is wanting to, you know, for the first time ever, maybe follow the law, right? And not literally the law, but the law of his word. Uh, whereas the people basically say, no, that, that's ridiculous. We all know that he didn't know. And yeah. I'm not saying that's prescriptive, but what I'm saying is here's an illustration of, uh, you know, if if I'm going 60 and a 40, but I thought it was a 60, I'm going to tell that to the officer when he pulls me over. Uh, there's a different level of severity if it's not a high handed sin. And then, mm. Brian, I also think, you know, that uh, it, there's an interesting category. And, and this is something that I know we've talked about. We may do a separate podcast on. Uh, even as the Bible talks about those who don't yet know good and evil um, before yeah. the child grows to the point of being able to discern right and wrong or knowing good and evil, um, that there is a principle that your level of knowledge uh, is directly tied to your culpability. If mm-hmm. you know something is wrong, that makes you more blameworthy for doing it. Uh, whereas if, if you don't know it, uh, then you're less blameworthy. Uh, and I think even there of uh, of Psalm 19, right, where David yeah. says, uh, who perceives his unintentional sins, cleanse me from my hidden faults, but also keep your fir- servant from willful sins. Uh, so there, there is an awareness of this even in the Old Testament uh, that your level of knowledge does determine the severity of the crime. And I think this will carry through, and, and this is not a rabbit trail we'll really go down, but uh, it— Listeners, if you're trying to piece together a full Bible theology, mm-hmm. these principles of sin being equal and unequal at the same time probably should be affecting our reading of Revelation and hell. What mm. is eternal punishment? Yeah. On the one hand, it is all the same. And on the other hand, it appears to not all quite be the same. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's beyond the scope of this. But realize little ideas have big consequences sometimes. And so I think it's very important. The Bible does have some nuance here, which is in line with our intuition, or rather our intuition is in line with God's prescriptive plan on what justice is in many cases. Of course, yeah. our intuition has fallen and corrupted. But when we go, wait, that if you've ever wrestled with, that seems really unfair that the Bible treats every sin as equal. Yeah. Recognize that it doesn't in terms of punishment. It does mm-hmm. in terms of separation from God. Uh, and we should have a little bit more clarity and a little bit more nuance in how we really deal with these things. Because I think, especially as we think of our witness in the world, yeah, we often really hurt the cause of Christ by putting false stumbling blocks in front of people. When they go, mm-hmm. my grandma 
didn't go to church. She didn't know who God was, but she tried to live a good life. And you're saying that person is going to share the exact same fate as Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. And that is a valid assumption. If you've said all sin is equal and they'll try to really push on that because there's a problem there. And so mm-hmm. I want us to really appreciate the biblical text, the nuance and have some clarity maybe. And I hope this podcast has helped with that as we move forward. Tim, as we're wrapping up kind of this topic, maybe some final mm-hmm. thoughts and then we'll move to kind of closing out series two. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian, completely about the the level of punishment and uh, as well as I think the level of reward. Um, I think the Bible mm-hmm. really affirms both of those. And I think that'd be an interesting topic. Uh, but I, I just want to wrap it up with maybe a pastoral thought, because as we consider this, the, the ditch that it's possible to fall into is to say, okay, well, if all sin is not equal, then really uh, that I can kind of, you know, polish my halo a little bit. You know, my sin is not as bad as other people's sin. That That's going to be the temptation. And oh, so and we absolutely do that, don't we? We do. And, and <laughs> I think as, as we think about uh, Jesus' teaching on this, uh, I, I come back to the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, and the parable mm. is just very basically, there was a servant uh, who owed his master a sum of money that was unbelievably large, right? I mean, it was beyond mm-hmm. even calculation. And the master, aka God, lovingly and generously forgives it all. Uh, and yet that servant turns around and he has someone who owes him, you know, a, a decent sum of money. But really, at the end of the day, compared to what he owed his master, it's really nothing. And and what does he say? Well, until you give me every penny, you know, you're going to your family's going to be in jail or enslaved or, you know, uh, as the parable goes. And and what does the master do? He looks at that person. He says, have you learned nothing? Uh, if you have been forgiven so much, why on earth are you trying to extract, you know, this this from your neighbor, from my fellow servant? And and of course, what Jesus is doing here is he's using a sharp metaphor, right, to say, listen, our attitude toward the sins of others should never be, oh, well, your sin's worse than mine, and therefore, you know, God's bullseye is on you. No, a true mark of a believer is to say, even as Paul did, like, I'm the chief of sinners. Uh, And Paul, of course, meant that. I believe he meant that. But here's why we should all have that attitude. You know what? I don't know the wickedness of your heart. I don't know the mitigating circumstances. I don't know your level of awareness or your culpability, but I sure know mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, At which point, if we're aware and in tune to the wickedness of our own heart, and the grace, the absolute unmerited favor of God by the blood of his son, offering us forgiveness of not just unintentional sins, but high-handed sins as well. If we can come back to say, God, I high-handedly rebelled against you, and yet you love me enough to seek me and to pay for my sin, that heart that's transformed by the grace and the love of Christ is going to be a heart that's also willing to show compassion to others. And we see that in James, right? That uh, that mm-hmm. mercy triumphs judgment, and uh, the measure that we use to uh, to judge others is the measure that's going to be used for us. That doesn't mean again we don't identify sin or understand sin. But listeners, please do not take what we say as a license to then say, "Oh, well, you know, the sins of others are are different and worse than mine." No, 
In fact, the Bible tells us that humility should result from knowing the depth of our sin. Uh, but then, of course, it drives us to the cross. And uh, I think there's no better way to, to end my thoughts, at least, than that. Yeah, and just the reminder that the, the Savior that died on the cross for my sins while I was still an enemy the same savior that died on the cross for their sins while they were still an enemy. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Excellent thoughts, Tim. Thank you for bringing us home on that. So listeners, this is the end of our myths and mistakes series. Uh, it's been an interesting 10 episodes. I, I think we've dealt with some really interesting ideas and concepts and just to kind of close it all out. I had some thoughts kind of reflecting back. Where do these myths and mistakes come from? Talked about that a little bit in the very first episode. But uh, as I looked at the ones we covered, I go, a lot of these just, I think, come from our unfamiliarity with the Old Testament. And so maybe we're sounding like a broken record at this point, but let me encourage you. Let's get into the text. Uh, yes. Get into the word of God. And I think a lot of times uh, our concerns our, our worries maybe come from a lack of familiarity. And when we get in, we go, you know what? No, this is not as bad or as confusing or as difficult as I thought. Um, I hope you've also come away from the series with the realization that, at least in my uh, experience, our hard questions about the text have answers. They're mm -hmm. not always simple answers, and I wouldn't expect them to be simple answers. But I have never come to the text and been left wanting when it comes to my earnest questions of trying to wrestle and work through my faith with fear and trembling. So I've had a lot of fun in these last 10 episodes. Dr. Tim, what are your thoughts on these last 10 episodes? Well, it's always fun to sit down with you, Brian, and talk about the Old <laughs> Testament, something that we both love. Uh, but to echo what you said, get just just sit down and read it. And, and it, it's sometimes hard, it's sometimes difficult. Uh, but again, it's it's not as much as people think. Uh, I would hate for someone to think, well, I can't understand it or it's inaccessible. No, sit down and read it and read it with an open mind, read it with an open heart, read it uh, with with some resources maybe to help you. And uh, and I, I know and believe because of the promises of the word of God uh, that that will bless you and edify you and ultimately uh, lead you to a greater knowledge of him. And thank you so much for listening. For everyone who listens and, and shares this content, I just want to say thank you. It's a blessing to serve you in this way, and I hope you join us for season three. Yeah, so where we're going from here is next week we have an interview lined up again. We're going to be talking to someone that is very near and dear to both of our hearts because we were both his students at one point. We're going to be talking to Dr. Hearson from Midwestern Baptist. He was actually my main advisor for my dissertation it's a, going to be a great conversation talking about a sacred space in the Old Testament, how that can help us understand Christ in the New Testament. So stay tuned for that. After that, we have a few question and answer episodes lined up. As always, if you have a question that you'd like us to address on this podcast, you can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or email at us at inwiththeoldpodcast at outlook.com. And after those, we have season three. And season three is going to be... You'll have to wait and see. We'll be recording a, <laughs> a teaser trailer for it. It's an interesting concept, though. You're going to get to watch Dr. Tim and I have fights on a weekly basis. <laughs> so that's my little teaser for here. You'll have to wait for the full trailer coming out soon. And listeners, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing our content. And until we talk to you again, stay cool and stay old. Stay old.